Well, welcome back to the Jesus Culture Podcast. I really think I can say welcome back because I'm sure you've been waiting in anticipation since the last one for this podcast. Can I say this word drop? Do we drop podcasts? Is that how it works, Phil? All the time. We drop podcasts. All the time. You've been waiting for this podcast to drop. It's officially dropped. Sounds like a new shoe release. But it's great to have you on the Jesus Culture podcast. Always love getting some time just to hang out, talk life, Jesus, our walk with God, culture, all of it. And I want to start again, as we started last time, by letting you know that we have actually started something new here at the Jesus Culture podcast, really across the podcast network of Jesus Culture, where we are officially partnering with World Vision. We absolutely love what they are doing around the world to take care of orphans, to serve the poor, to really get involved in areas of healthcare and education, and uh, just to better their life. And so we're firm believers at Jesus Culture that every believer should be supporting the poor on the earth, should be taking care of orphans, one of the mandates that we have as Christians. And so it's been a real honor to be able to partner with World Vision, and they are helping make this podcast happen. So we'll let you know about something they're doing called The Chosen Campaign, kind of in the middle of the podcast, but we're just excited to partner with them and want to make sure that you check out what World Vision is doing. I'm excited about the episode today. We're actually going to be talking about leadership and actually starting kind of a 12-episode theme around coming alongside you to see you develop as a leader, and we're excited to jump into that in just a moment. Phil, we're here again by ourselves. Becky is out on maternity leave. That's right. Which this is what I found funny about Becky right now, out on maternity leave, is I'm finding Becky is commenting on all the Instagram posts. <laughs> she's, I've never had Becky do this, but she's now tagging me in other people's like yep. Instagram, like it was like a meme that was, I don't even know what it was. It was, oh, this is what it was. They were talking about, somebody posted a, uh, like a quote about how when you get older and you put up uh, shelves in your garage, you and your wife talk about those shelves for like the next three days. Like, like you're just so proud of those shelves. And that's now the conversation you have with your wife. And it's kind of a sign of old age, something along. It was obviously worded a lot funnier. And, right. and I mean, literally we did that this year. I, I, I built <laughs> shelves as kind of a pantry in our garage and I still walk by them. And I'm just kind of proud. I'll make my wife come out and we'll talk about, look at all the space we have for our food mm. now. So Becky, Becky tagged me and CJ it was the second time she's done this since she's had a baby. And I'm like, Becky is, uh, now mom, I don't think moms are laying around, but, but newborns, they just sleep all day long, right? I think right. Becky is laying around with this newborn, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sleep, you know, napping on her. And she can't go anywhere. And she's just scrolling through Instagram, commenting, tagging people that she's thinking about. So she's not here right now, but it's just me and you. Amazing. And uh, I don't know if people can see this, uh, but uh, Phil, you look a little tired. You look a little tired. Uh, <laughs> a little tired. <laughs> this is audio. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, maybe you would agree with me. But uh, Phil, you look a little tired. You look a little bit uh, no. uh, peaked. Is that the right word? Um, yeah. And what's funny is, is you're tired because you just got back from vacation. Yes, I am exhausted because I got back. Now, now, listen, I'm not complaining. I got to take my kids to Disney World. You're allowed to complain. Uh, this is a listen, safe. This is a safe place this, here, this Phil. Is this is a place. safe place. Yes. Go ahead and complain about vacation with your kids. They're not listening. No. Neither is your <laughs> wife. Neither is your wife. 
vacation with vacation that any vacation that is centered around your kids is amazing. It is the best. <laughs> this is a qualified is statement. There's going to be a but coming. This yeah, is a no, qualified no. statement. I love my kids. I love my I, kids. I really do love my kids. I, I love them as God. a father. They're a gift. They're a blessing. When I go on vacation with them. <laughs> Listen, and you know this. I mean, my kids are a little younger than yours, but you remember it, it, there's two kinds of vacations. There's the vacations that you actually, in you yourself as an adult man, enjoy yourself, you rest, you feel restored. And then there's the other vacation, which is just as important, where you spend yourself on helping your kids have a time of their life. And it's it's incredible, but it is exhausting. I came home and like, I'm tired. Yes. I'm tired. Oh, I, I remember for sure. We used to go to Disneyland every year and still try to go to Disneyland every year with our kids. I have a 22-year-old, 18 and 15, and still we love to go to Disneyland. But man, you would take your kids and you'd see all the pictures. You'd see all the like posters. It's the happiest place on earth. And you see families pushing strollers with kids that are laughing and smiling. And I'm like, that's true for about the first three hours. (laughs) And then there's some type of wall that gets hit where I'm like, I think Disneyland should go around and take promo pics at about two in the afternoon. That those should be the promo picks they stick up because Disneyland does a brilliant job at making sure there's churro carts about every 10 feet. There's ice cream things. They're just eating junk the entire time. You're standing in line. You're wore out. And then there's that kind of wall that you hit. And and it's a, it, it it's real and it's work. And then if you're only there for a few days and this is dad mode, but you're getting your money's worth. Right. You're like, kids, we are here all day long. We, we are here all yes. day. You, I, I paid a lot of money to come to this thing. You will stay here till yes. 11 o'clock at night. We will have fun. Yes. It's one of those things. I remember my daughter, she was probably two, my middle one. <laughs> so Ellie would have been five, my oldest, and she was going on a big girl ride. And she mm-hmm. was able to, she was tall enough. And man, my two-year-old, she was so mad that she could not go on that ride. I mean, she was furious. She starts screaming and crying. So my wife has to, it's so embarrassing. We don't know what to do. My wife takes her in the bathroom. She's in this really cute little like Tinkerbell, you know, costume that we got her that was a hundred dollars. And she was like this adorable, all her hair was done. She's screaming, screaming that she can't go on a jellyfish ride that went up and down. So we, my wife takes her in the bathroom. My daughter's so mad, she just strips down. She just gets full-blown naked while she's screaming. Full-blown naked in the bathroom screaming. Tinkerbell dress is off. Yep. Hair that we worked on is done. And I'm like, where's the like Disneyland promo photographer now? Huh? Where's this poster? Where's this poster? Because this is the real. There's a sermon in there somehow. This is the real Disneyland at one o'clock in the afternoon when your kids haven't napped. It's amazing. Your kids are a little that's bit older true. than that, but that's the that's it, isn't it? So so Disneyland. I mean, they they know what they're doing, right? Like, <laughs> yes, they do. It, it costs enough to get in there, and then they do this thing where it's like, hey, you can add a day. And it's not that much. Hey, you can have two days. Not, literally, Emily and I went. Like, I'm okay, practically going to lose yes. money if I don't get no, this extra day. I, no, I'm, I'm looking at my kids. And I'm like, it's this or college. So if we're doing this, it, we're going to do it right. And then you realize I could go this many days. And it's like, I mean, you get to the point where it's like, literally, you're adding $25 a day. And then you're like, 
this was a terrible decision. <laughs> and, and what I love is I'm, and I'm, I'm, you know, I come, I come alive. I come Qualify alive. again how much you love your kids before you say yes. this I is come the alive worst. At Disney. I come alive with my kids. I would go to Disney by myself. I'm, I'm that guy. I love it. I think it's amazing. But, and I, and I did pretty good, but it is funny. If you ever go to, you know, so for anyone listening to this, when you go to Disney next time, or if you ever have the chance to go or something, somewhere like it, the greatest thing is just to watch dads because <laughs> it's just, you realize as you're looking at all the dads that are there, you know exactly what's going on there. And in their mind, I paid this much money totally, totally. <laughs> to have my kid throw a fit, <laughs> totally. to whine, to beg. It's just like, like everything inside of you is like, I should have I should have just bought myself a hot tub totally. with money and let them play video games yes. and not wine for six totally. days. Totally. Like- it's, no, but no, my kids. Oh. And I, my kids did really well, we love. It, listen, we love Disneyland, but we were there one time, and I don't know how old my kid was five, four, and we went to go see Winnie the Pooh. And first of all, my kid, the the character Winnie the Pooh, my kids like freaked out by characters. First of all, so just like screaming, but then some nice lady in the in the we were standing in line, and some nice lady gave her like a sweet tart. And we're like, okay, go ahead and have the sweet tart, sweet. Well, she somehow chokes on the sweet tart and just starts puking. <laughs> so my daughter's Amazing. in line, already going to be scared of Winnie the Pooh as a character, and yep. it's just like puking in line. These are the these are the Disneyland stories that need to be told. One of my favorite memories when Emily and I lived in Southern California, we had passes. It was actually it was really funny. My parents, as like a Christmas gift to us, got us annual passes each year, and we're broke. We're college students. We're working part time. The only thing we could afford. to do was go to Disneyland because in essence it was free. Yeah. And so we went a lot. It was, it, it, we loved it. And date nights on Pirates the of the Caribbean. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My, it, my pastor at the time, he, uh, his, he actually had some passes for his kids. And I said, Hey, I'd love to take your, you know, he was a significant person in my life, was a significant discipler. And I'm like, I'd love to take your kids. Not that significant it, if you're going to be, what a rookie move. I know. So I take his kids and they're young. They're like three and four and five in that age range. And they, I said, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, what do you love? And they, and they said, we love pirates. We, I was like, okay. Oh, I, don't, I didn't know. I didn't have children. Oh. I didn't know. I didn't know how old kids should do and ride, but I'm like, and, and we I, love, I remember we love them, haunted houses. <laughs> we love haunted. And they're like, yeah, we love. And I was like, your, your parents like take, you know, do pirates with them. They're like, of course. And so I take them on the pirates oh, of the Caribbean. Ride. This was back in the day. Yeah. You remember it when, was worse. Uh, you remember when VeggieTales had the pirates that you know yes. who can't do anything? What yes. the title is? That's the pirates they were talking about. <laughs> and I take them. I take them on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. They have their this is heads before Johnny buried. In, they have their heads buried in my chest. They were terrified. They never trusted me again in their life. I I introduced them to years of nightmares. And I I mean literally I, I'm like 23. I felt so awful. It was just like I'm, I was trying to bless my pastor and I ruined this children. That's hilarious. Uh, it, I still remember that. Yeah, moment. we've all got it. And and now for me, as I get older, my kids want to go on all the roller coasters, and I'm full on like I'm good kids. Yeah, I'm good. Like I could make a lifelong memory with my son, or I could sit on this bench. Those are my two options when it comes. Or I could sit on this bench eating a pretzel. Here's my yeah. two options, but mm-hmm. I just, some of those rides, and I feel like so old yeah. and dorky even saying this right now, but some of those rides, I'm like, son, I'll be out of commission the rest of the day if I yeah. go on that roller coaster. Yeah. No, I go, to, I go to Disney now for two things, because I love my children, 
and the churros. And the churros. And I, I just, my win is eating as many churros just, as I possibly just, can. That sounds like a recipe for absolute <laughs> wonderfulness. Well, so good. I just got back, and we'll jump into our session, but I just got back from uh, Denver and Texas. But Texas, I was in West Texas, just a different planet. Just a different planet, West Texas. It's amazing. I love incredible people, but I am just out of my element in West Texas. You know, I don't carry a, a every, you know, everybody hunts, everybody's got a pocket knife, everybody drives a truck. That's what it feels like, you know. And uh, I, I've never eaten as much meat as I did for three days in Texas. It's wonderful. So, well, hey, we are actually going to be talking uh, today about leadership. We're actually going to be launching into 12 episodes just focused on helping you grow as a leader. We'll unpack a little bit about our heart for that today. But before we do that, I want you to hear more about our partnership with World Vision and really an incredible program that I'm a part of called Chosen. In the world's most fragile places, devastating aftershocks of the COVID-19 crisis are pushing families deeper into poverty, putting kids at greater risk of hunger, malnutrition, violence, and neglect. Child sponsorship is you making a decision to provide $39 a month for a child in their community in extreme poverty to provide the most basic necessities of life. But most importantly, you provide hope. It is one of the most effective ways to help the world's most vulnerable children and their communities address the impacts of this pandemic and lift themselves out of poverty for good, especially now. The reality is thousands of children are waiting to be sponsored. But what you don't know is everything is about to change. For the first time, World Vision is inviting you to empower a child through sponsorship. Yet instead of you choosing them, they choose you. Something no organization has ever done before. It doesn't matter who you are or where in the world you live. Every single one of us wants to be seen, to be loved, to be chosen. Put the power to choose in a child's hands and give someone a chance to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Text PODCAST to 56170 and sponsor a child now. Well, we would love for you to really check out what World Vision is doing, get involved with Chosen, just real firm believers in uh, all that they're doing. Excited to partner with them. Phil, today we're going to be talking about uh, leadership. Uh, we had this idea recently that really this is even how the Jesus Culture Podcast started. Originally, Phil, this was pre-Phil days. Pre-Phil. When we started years ago, we actually started it and called it the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast. So some of the original people, I still have people come up all the time. I'm a the JC, real 53. Yeah, the real, 52, the 52. Real 52. But JCLP, part of the JCLP and all that type of stuff. And... Uh, um, so when we call it the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast, it was we changed the name eventually because we wanted to branch out and talk not just leadership but spiritual formation, culture issues, encourage people, and not have people just kind of uh, think it's just for leadership type stuff. But ultimately, I would say uh, we just have a real passion to see leaders raised up. Uh, many of you guys know that we started a school of leadership here called the Jesus Culture School of Leadership, uh, which which is incredible. I, we just we, we're developing leaders. It's an online school as well as in person. It's got a young adult element to it. It's really incredible what God's doing at the school. But all of that is really based around we just have a, a passion for leadership. Um, I I think that for me, 
Um, this is something that's been in my heart for a long time. I remember, I, I still remember, and I feel I don't, I would like to know this in just a second. When did you realize you were a leader? Mm. When did you actually realize you were a leader? And, and I'm going to tell you straight off the bat that one of the reasons why we're going to dedicate 12 episodes to this is I really believe that everybody listening is a leader. Yeah. Now, I think there's something that happens when you step into leadership, but we yeah. would have the Maxwell, the John Maxwell definition of leadership is leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. And his point is, is that everybody has a measure of influence. All right. of us are influencing people at some capacity. So maybe not everybody has a national call to lead, but everybody has a local call to lead at your workplace, in your family, amongst your friends, in your neighborhood. And so, um, I, and, and, and I would maybe add on to Maxwell's, which feels a little arrogant because John Maxwell's like the, <laughs> the guru of leadership. But leadership is, nothing, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I would say that leadership is influence that you've taken ownership for. Yeah. So I see a lot of people that they have influence, Good. but they haven't taken ownership for it. So a so, lot of what our passion is to come alongside people and say, hey, you're a leader because you have influence. Ta- let's take ownership for that influence so that you can expand the kingdom, so that you can make a difference for Jesus. I, I really believe that he uses that. And really for us, and we'll talk about this, it's connected to revival. But I remember the first time. So maybe, maybe my you know, entire life I was you know, always was the funny kid around or, you know, was always outgoing with people. But I remember when I was a junior and um, a a coach in my life. So I wasn't even starting on this basketball team. I was the sixth man on the team. First one to come off the bench. I'm a junior. Uh, But the the coach made me the captain. So so even at – even though I wasn't like a starter, the coach made me the captain. He saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And then I remember him sitting me down one time because I, I was doing something dumb. Me and my friend were like in life. We were, I don't know what we were doing, but he pulled me aside and he sat me down. I'll never forget this. Like this is like a marking moment in my life. I was 16, 17 years old. And uh, he's, he, I'll, I'll never, he had this little tiny office off the gym. I think it used to be a closet that he turned into an office. And he pulled us in, sat us both down. And he looked at me, first person to ever say this. He said, Banning, you are a leader. You are a leader. And then he was going to challenge me that I wasn't living up to that. But I, I'll never forget, he was the first person to look at me and say, Banning, you are a leader. And I don't know what it was, but, but from that moment, and then when I encountered God uh, just shortly after that, um, man, something came alive in me that I really feel called to lead. I really feel called to make a difference. And it just awakened something in me. And, and I, have a, I have the same passion. I mean, if I could, if I could sit down with every single person sitting here, whether you feel like a leader or not, I just want to look you in the eyes and go, you are a leader. <laughs> now, you have to take ownership of that, but this is who you are. What was yeah. it for you, Phil? Was there a moment where all of a sudden you realized that, that God had called you to lead? Yeah. Well, first of all, we should definitely email John Maxwell and tell him he's wrong. And uh, I well, like not our that he's, it's not that he's wrong. He's just incomplete. <laughs> just incomplete. So, I, listen, I, there's some people I know that know John, and so I just say, John, listen, I don't want to like you know. I mean, your books sold a lot more than my books, and millions of books sold, and all. And listen, I, I'm impressed by that. But, 
I mean, if I could just add something, just add, just, just add something slightly to your definition of leadership, uh, I think it'd really help you. I think it, I'm here to help, John. So amazing. Hey, listen, John may be listening to our podcast John, right now. He absolutely is listening. But I mean, there's podcast. a real possibility that he's a uh, needs a little leadership help. <laughs> so for me, what's Even funny saying is, that is, I cringe right now. You know, I know. So for me, I you know I would have never called myself a leader really until after I had my significant gun encounter in my freshman year of college yeah, and things yeah. began to stir my life. But when I look back, like funny things, like, and, and now I look back and I go, oh, there was something in me all along that I can see. I ran for sixth grade president, seventh grade president, eighth grade president, and I was not popular. I was not, I was shy. <laughs> I was not cool. You were oblivious. Not, like, you were oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> I like, there was just, there was just something in me. It was, those were the days that- That's amazing, really, Phil. I, I, it is because I was really innocent. And in that innocence, I felt a desire to contribute. I don't know if I would have ever called it leadership. Yeah, that's and then, incredible. And then my life, you know, I walked through my season of, 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 of adolescence and pain and rebellion and all that stuff and all that kind of but went away. somewhere early on, you had a yeah. desire to contribute, serve, lead yes. as a young man. And, that's amazing. And and you know, you would have loved my. I still remember my seventh grade uh, speech to become president, which I won. By the way, I want. I, I want to mark. Of course, mark that you note. did. What was your slogan yes. before yeah. your speech? What was your slogan? Well, I don't think we had slogans, but my speech was the top ten reasons why Ace Ventura would vote for me. And yes, I killed, I killed it. Yes. So, Do you so remember I, any of the top ten? Do you remember any of them? I think one of them was because I would fit like a glove. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Dude, if you haven't seen Ace Ventura, this is all going to not be funny to you, but I would have voted for you immediately. Yes. And uh, so I would have fit like a glove. And I love it. And I want to even say, because there was something in me, but it was it was innocent. And I actually think a lot of people have leadership in them in, yes. in the most natural, innocent place, but then the pain of life shuts it down. And yep. that's what happened in my life. Wow. And then for me, it was realizing that I had an ache for my generation that I couldn't wait for somebody else to, to do. Yes. And so leadership for me, and again, even in those days, I didn't know how to call it leadership. It was just that willingness in, in, in my definition, which isn't as good as yours or John Maxwell's. But I've just realized something. We'd like, about, listen, I was talking to John and we would allow you to contribute to our definition. Contribute, to contribute. Is there's just something, and it's 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 actually your ownership piece. There's something about a leader where you just go, I'll go first. Yes. I don't even I don't yes. even know what I'm doing. Yep. But I'll go first. Yep. And that started to happen in my life. And really it was born out of I was so changed by God's love. I was just, I had to do this for my generation. I love it. And so I just started to step in. So really it was, it was, it was when I when I left college and went and joined youth with a mission, which is a missions organization, that, that thing in me that was in me as an innocent kid woke back up. And it was the beauty of it is it was no longer innocent, but it had, uh, but it was, but it was passionate. And I had been through a lot of stuff, but now it was ready to take ownership for the pain of my generation. Yeah. yeah I think for me, this is the big one because, and, and I would say leadership I've said this a lot. If you cut me at my core, what I'm about is revival. 
And I could give you my definition of revival, and there's a lot of different definitions, but at the core, I want to see God pour out His Spirit. I want to see God move in cities and nations. I want to see a harvest come in. I want to see churches impacting their city. Like this, I want to see revival. Yeah. But I really believe that leadership is connected to revival because leadership is about believers taking ownership for the call in their life. Yeah. And, and it's this concept of ownership because so many people, they don't live with a sense of ownership. They don't live with a sense of ownership over their call. They don't live with a sense of ownership over their city. They don't live with a sense of ownership over their culture. They don't live with a sense of ownership over their generation. So they watch the news with no sense of ownership. They drive through their streets with no sense of ownership. They hear reports of things with no sense of ownership. And I think that so much, and this is one of the things that, that I absolutely want to go after for everybody listening and watching right now, is, is that God has called you to take ownership and this is the thing that you see again and again in the life of Paul and so many of these, uh, um, e- even Jesus, as he looked over a city, Jerusalem, and wept. Yeah. It was like this sense of ownership because people who live with a sense of ownership live differently. This is the, yes. why would you go first? Because you have a sense of ownership on your call and because you have a sense of ownership over your generation and because you have a sense of ownership over your yeah. city. That's right. Even right now, all of the... And so I think it's connected to revival. Imagine if believers woke up every day with a sense of ownership over their call, their city, their culture, their generation, that we looked at what was going on in the news and didn't think that was somebody else's issue. No, that's my issue. What are we doing about that right now? Because there are solutions waiting for believers to take ownership and step in. And, and when you live with a sense of ownership, and it's, for many of you guys who don't have kids, this analogy will, you'll, you'll get the analogy, but it's hard to fully explain. When you have kids, you experience a sense of ownership that you've never experienced before. There's, you know, when, uh, uh, when you're in the store, sometimes in the store and our kids will go off and, and all of a sudden you hear somebody calling for mom or dad, you immediately are, po- you're mm-hmm. like, you're paying attention. You want to know, is that my kid or not my kid? The minute I recognize it's not my kid, I go back to whatever I was doing, yeah. right? shopping in some aisle, looking for something. I hear somebody screaming for dad and I pay attention. Is that my kid? Not my kid. I go back. But if it's my kid, I stop what I'm doing and I go figure out what's happening with my kid. I go engage my kid. I go connect with my kid because I have a sense of ownership, obviously, over my child that I don't over others. And sometimes I see so much of intercession, so much of... um, uh, people, own, you know, moving towards their call, connected to the concept of ownership. Yeah. Like, uh, the the there's a story of a widow with two sons who is crying out to Elisha because her sons were about to be sold into slavery. She was a widow, mm-hmm. and back in those days, uh, the debtors came. She didn't have a husband to provide for her. They said, "We need money." She said, "We I don't have any. Then then we'll take your sons." Uh, as payment. And so that, that deep sense of ownership got her to cry out yeah. to Elisha. 
And I just think you live different when you live with ownership. And I think much of society is trying to tell you it's not your problem. It's not your issue. It's not your responsibility. It's not whatever else. And, and, and when, you take, when you take ownership as leadership, it changes. It's true. And I remember actually in that season where my, I, I gave my life back to Jesus. It was actually, a, uh, I, I heard a quote by Theodore Roosevelt I'd never heard before. And I'll butcher it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you did. I remember the end. Bring but it in it, Roosevelt. It, yeah, but you know, I never heard it before. And it, it, you know, it starts with something like, it, it's not the, the critic who counts. It's not, yeah. The, yeah. It's not the person who, yeah. who can point out how people stumble or how people could have done things better. But it's the, it's the man who gets into the arena and fights. And I still remember the last part because he's, he's, he's talking about you, you, a person who would spend themselves on great things. And this is, I love this, what he says. And if you fail, at least you fail while daring greatly. So yes. you will never have a place with the cold and timid souls. Who knew neither victory or defeat. And it's that idea. It's like, I'm in. And listen, I'm in and I could fail, but I will never, I will never place my lot with those who wouldn't take ownership. And there's just, it woke something. And I believe that's in everybody. And often it is just pain and shame, pain and shame that keep us from taking yeah. that level of ownership. Yeah, and I think uh, we were both youth pastors, so we come out of that environment where you are praying for a generation. God, yeah. give us a generation. We're going to reach a generation, passionate for a generation. And so it was so much that language. And I just, I just want to see people, maybe you're not youth pastoring, but what is that cry in your heart yeah. that says, God, give me this? Yeah. Like when we were youth yeah. pastoring, it was a high school and it was a generation. That was always yeah. our call. God wants yeah. to give you, God wants you to impact your generation. God wants to give you a generation. And I'm, I'm like, dude, I would love that cry. Yeah. Maybe it's not for a generation of young people, but what is the cry that is in your heart that you've taken ownership over that's fueling you, that's motivating you? And that thing right there is when you step into leadership. It's that's when you step into leadership. So I would, I would love to hear this for you too, Ben, because for me, one of the turning points of, of leadership and ownership in my own life was there was that first stage where it's that ownership of like, I'm, I have to take that step forward. But then there is the ownership of actually maturing. And I remember, I remember when Emily and I, again, we were in Southern California, we were a young married couple. We'd taken our first steps into leadership. We were high-end volunteers at the church we were part of. And, you know, I had enough, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of leaders, enough woo and charm and positivity that I kind of coaxed and coasted my way through a lot of situations, but I had a lot of flaws that I, I didn't see and yeah. I wasn't willing to yeah. take ownership over. And I had a, a guy disciple me. It was really the first time I'd ever had a really somebody see me, disciple me, believe in me. And I was overcommitted. I was, I didn't know really how to schedule my life. I didn't really know how to, to follow through well. Like I had great heart and not the skills. And I remember he sat me down and he, in a discipleship meeting, and he looked at me and goes, Phil, you are hurting people in our church. Ouch. And if you don't, if, if you don't change, I don't know if this is the right place for you. And there was that moment where I was so Dang. angry. Dang. Because I was trying so hard. I love this I was guy. Getting, like I was working so hard. This was not. This was not laziness. Yeah, I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I was going to school. I was working. I was contributing. I was a volunteer. I wasn't paid, and in everything in my flesh, wanted to be like, "What you're gonna?" But then there was that moment where I had to go. He's right, and it was that place of ownership of like, "Oh, I also have to take ownership that my life needs to mature 
to be safe enough yeah. to lead other people. Yeah, I think the reality is for me, what happened was I'm a passionate vision guy. And so I really recognize when I was 17, there's a call in my life. There's a call in my life. But you very quickly find out that there are constraints, and we might even, I think we're going to try to get Lyle Wells to jump on one of these with us. Lyle Wells runs a group called the Integris Leadership Group, which is just a leadership development group. But part of what they do, they work with churches and ministries and businesses, but part of what they do is talk about constraints, that there are constraints that hold you back, that if you don't deal with those constraints, you won't be able to get where you're going. And so... I think for me, as I took ownership of the call on my life, I realized there are constraints in my life. Yeah. Things that if not dealt with, maybe it's internal stuff, uh, health, you know, whatever it is. If I don't deal with this, I'm not going to be able to get where I'm going, which is both yeah. who God's called me to be and what God's called me to do. And so I, I've tried to be motivated by vision. I think that people are either motivated by pain or they're motivated by vision. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a divorce that gets people motivated. Sometimes it's a heart attack that gets people motivated. Um, but, but for me, really trying to stay in that place of, I have a call in my life. I have a yeah. call to be someone and I have a call to do something. Both of those things are going to be hindered by constraints in my life. And so I need to deal with those constraints. Yeah. What are those constraints? What are they? Yeah. And I want to deal with them because I don't want anything to stop me from getting where God's trying to take me and accomplish yeah. what God's calling me to. And, and that would be my challenge. This is one of the things why I want to go you know, 12 episodes in on this thing is I would just challenge everybody here. If you were sitting in a room with us right now, all 52 of you, <laughs> come on, that joke never gets old. If you were sitting in a room with us right now, I would look you in the eye and I just say, dude, you are a leader. God has called you to change the world. He's called you to make a difference. What is the cry that's in your heart? What is it that you take a deep, deep sense of responsibility over? What is that generation that you're crying out for if you were a youth pastor? And then what are you doing to grow? What are you doing to make sure that the constraints in your life are being dealt with so that you can, not because you're in pain, but because you're full of vision, deal with those things to get where you're going? And I, this podcast genuinely started out as the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast so that we could come alongside people and encourage them, inspire them, and then challenge and equip them around this issue. Yeah. And um, I don't care if you feel like you're a leader or not, you are. And if you know you're a leader, then, then I, I, I'm praying that you would deal with the things that you need to deal with so that you can get where you're going. It's it. And I, and I think you and I would say the exact same thing. I have never been in an hour in my life in mm. pastoral ministry mm -hmm. where there isn't such a desperate need for people yep. who will just go, I'll take ownership. Yep. I'll take ownership over community. I'll yep. take ownership over loving people. I'll take ownership for sharing the gospel. I'll take ownership over my church family. And I'll take there is there is everybody's waiting to somehow have a magical moment that guides them in. And I'm just telling you, if yes. you're waiting, this is your magical yes. moment. Yes. It is just time to go. Yes. It's time to take ownership. Because you're a leader. Yep. And, and, and as I look, I, I could not be more convinced right now. 
It's why we're taking 12 episodes. It's why we've started a school of leadership. It's why we're doing these things because the world needs kingdom leaders. Yeah. I'm not talking about, if you're called to the church, that's great, but 2% of believers actually will work in vocational ministry. Right. 98% of the leaders in the body of Christ are going to be leading outside the church walls. Yeah. And so, but, but this excites me. As I look at society, there are real broken parts of society. There, yeah. there, there is, you, you, there are demonic agendas pointed at society. There are broken areas of society. There are things that need kingdom solutions. There are things that need Jesus. There, there's so much that's in society. And I'm like, yeah, we've got the solution. It's believers stepping out as leaders. It's yeah. believers engaging in the world. Yeah. And, uh, and you do that when you take a sense of ownership and are leaders and you come with solutions. You, this is what leaders do. Leaders come with solutions. Leaders don't come with a, a victim mindset. They come ready to do something. And yeah. uh, so I love it. I love it. I'm excited, uh, Phil. Seriously, I'm, I'm excited to be able to take some time and unpack this. We're going to be having guests come on. We're going to be talking through different topics. We're going to get practical. You know, I, we. I want to both be prophetic, but I also want to be pragmatic. Yeah. And I, I want to be able to just come alongside and just kind of practically talk about what do you do with this thing? How do you deal with yeah. people? And how do you know yourself? And how do you know others? And how do you build teams? All that type of stuff, even as we're going forward. So I'm excited. And, and maybe Becky will be back. Maybe Becky will stop scrolling Instagram all day long and actually be back. Nah, come on. I'm, I'm just kidding. For all the moms that are now turning me off because I'm somehow... Uh, well, the question is whether she'll take ownership or not. Right? Will she take ownership <laughs> of the call that's no, on her and, life? And even, you know, for, for anyone who's listening and they're like, I've never stepped into something like that. Like, even practically, go find a mentor, go find somebody in your church and go, I have to learn how to take ownership and ask yep. somebody for help. Yep. You'd be amazed if, if, if somebody in my church walked up to one of our pastors and leaders goes, I want to lead. I need help. You are the dream of yep. every pastor. Just go say that to someone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Man, so good. All right, guys. Well, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're excited. Make sure you jump on the next time we do this. And I want to encourage you. We've mentioned World Vision. Man, check them out. Text that number. Find out what's going on with the Chosen campaign, what's going on with World Vision. I, I, I really feel that the Lord told us early on with Jesus' culture that we're to use our influence, we're to use our voice to call believers to take care of the poor of the earth and to come alongside and help orphans and partner with organizations such as World Vision who are helping better people's lives uh, through education and healthcare and jobs and all that type of stuff. So, and food, just simple things like that, medicine. So uh, make sure you jump on, check that out. Really great to have you. As always, you can watch us on YouTube. Make sure you go on all the sites and press the like button or the stars button or leave comments. I don't even know what else. I, I feel like I'm getting older as I'm saying all this type of stuff, but make sure you do that. It was really great to have all you guys. We'll see you again. 